Introducing the Clod of War podcast, where the arthritic meet the heroic. Welcome to Clod of War episode 3. It's the 1st of July, everybody, it's summer. I'm Christy, and this is Dan. Hello. And this is Ian. Hey up there. Oi oi. Um, and, uh, well, we might as well just get cracking. Uh, we should probably follow up on uh, something that we were talking about in the last episode to start with, so that it's clearer in our minds, and that is... Um, the Sony multiplayer debacle, because that's or the cross-platform debacle, because that's been developing over the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we should we should do that. So, what was the first thing that happened after we recorded, or what was the state of affairs when we, we when we finished actually? Because it's it's developed quite fast. Um, I think it was the Fortnite issue, wasn't it? It was the Fortnite issue and Switch. So yes. if you yeah. if you were logging into your previous Fortnite account on your Switch and you played on PSN before, then it went, uh uh-uh, uh, no, you need a new account. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um and at that point it, we kinda left it. Um and the next thing that happened was that uh, it was a the guy who moved from Sony uh, online to or they they moved to Daydream wasn't it I forget I've forgotten his name now John Smedley is that right Yes I think so um, He then uh, said that and I'll give you the quote here I've got it up It says When I was at Sony the stated reason internally for this was money which was a point we'd kind of covered at the time They didn't like someone buying something on an Xbox and it being used on a PlayStation Simple as that Dumb reason But there it is Um which was something we kind of covered at the time as being something we suspected was the reason. Um, and then there was increasing pressure uh, over the over the last week or so. And wasn't it, is it Sean Layden? Uh, was yes. cornered just a few days ago, I think. It was on a the GDC, possibly. Yes, yeah. Um and that that was an interesting one. So it was uh, Eurogamer's Robert Purchase who who collared him. Uh, and he thought he didn't beat about the bush either. He he kind of caught him out quite quite well. Um, and he kind of said he was wondering if there was any plans to open up the the cross platform stuff too, because uh, uh, it seems to be Sony's not listening, which I thought was rather good. Um, and Sean Layden did the usual kind of corporate bullshit answer so we're hearing it we're looking into a lot of the possibilities yada 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 um but it seems now as though they are starting to feel the pressure yeah a little bit i think that 
the response that Sean Layden gave to me indicated reasonably clearly that the actual issue is not what most people want, which is to be able to play with their friends on yeah. other networks. The issue is more with the way that gaming is going and you having an account like a Fortnite account where you buy stuff and where the money goes when you buy stuff. And it's the same with Minecraft and the way that um, Microsoft have ended up getting that set up, that they make all the DLC cross-platform. Yeah. Um, but then the encouragement is then to buy on, on live and therefore that kind of cuts out any of the other platform holders from making a profit from the DLC. And I think yeah. that's that really is the biggest issue that Sony have. They don't really mind about the whole network point. Um, they've got other reasons why people will end up using their hardware. It's more, this is going to end up costing us money. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It does seem like that. And actually, while that's you know a, a typically frustrating um, business kind of excuse for if, if, for the current situation, it's not unique to Sony. Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, if you look at Paladins, um, we'll maybe talk about Paladins later on, which I'm loving on the Nintendo Switch at the moment. Um, there is cross-play uh, with the Nintendo Switch and Xbox. And obviously not with PS4, no. um, but um, the accounts you can't transfer what you've bought on an Xbox onto the Switch. Yeah. Um, so I mean, but they have. This is the frustrating thing: is they have allowed cross-platform play. Yeah. It's just that they haven't allowed the transfer of goods, if you like, digital goods, um, which is you know is frustrating, but it's not as frustrating as the kind of point point blank kind of refusal to deal with the situation in any way which is what Sony seem to be doing at the moment I think that's where Sony will end up yeah um, I don't think so, they'll so can do. I just clarify as yeah. Microsoft blocked stuff you buy in the in the shop if you get it on your Xbox uh, account for Paladins or whatever and you go yeah. and play Paladins on your Switch, you can play with Xbox players but you can't use the stuff you bought on Microsoft Store on the Switch. Is that it's, right? So it is such a confusing situation all of this stuff and this is where um, this whole games of games as a service thing becomes a really naughty problem is because it's difficult to understand as a consumer yeah. why you know you can't just transfer things. Um, I from looking at it, and and I can only say that I'm still not sure, but <laughs> I'm kind of eighty percent certain from what I've read that you can't transfer what you've earned or what you've bought on the Microsoft over on the on the Xbox over to the Switch. Um they did do something where uh when they launched I think when they launched on Xbox um there there was a facility for people who'd played on PC to transfer their accounts. Right. But it was a one shot deal in one direction only. Yeah. So you couldn't transfer back. And it was time limited as well. So once uh, the time period was over you couldn't do it anymore so there's something, I mean they seem to be 
having to work around the different platform holders stipulations with this kind of thing so even with the PC to, to Xbox thing you know Microsoft weren't fully playing ball there it seems you know they're saying right you can do this you can transfer players goods over this you know period of I don't know three weeks or whatever but after that they have to be buying stuff from our store seems to be what's happening in the background so so none of them are coming out smelling roses from this but it, it is Sony who are getting the worst of it and deservedly so as far as I'm concerned yeah um, I don't think yeah. the situation with Minecraft is that it does carry across platforms um, does it? But I think yes as long as you that's why you have to have a, a ah, live that's account mic- that's the live account yeah yeah, yeah you're right um, but I think that um, Nintendo were obviously happy to accept that as a condition um, because they wanted Minecraft on the Switch. Um, and if, yeah. And so that that kind of carries on through. Yeah, but they, I mean, it's also a bit of a marketing coup. There's the, that whole. Uh, just last week, they launched a a trailer of Microsoft and Nintendo jointly, didn't they? Yes. Where it was like one half was green, the other half was Nintendo, and it was like you know it's better to play together and all this kind of stuff. And it's like you know the blue of Sony was notably absent from the whole thing, and they said an awful lot by saying absolutely bugger all. It was uh, it was very interesting. It was almost as uh, I don't know as much of a coup in terms of marketing as the whole here's how you share a used game on yes. a PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, and it was after that I think that uh, you got the kind of whole Sean Layden having to respond to this, and that was the first time they properly acknowledged it um, since uh, over a year ago now, since previous E three I think. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting stuff that's happening right now. I think uh, the, the key issue probably for Sony is the change to how games as a service stuff is done and Fortnite's a good example that it's a free to play game and all the money is through the little add-ons and the passes and if Sony are going to host that on their platform they want a cut of that somehow Um, and until something agreeable is worked out that Sony can apply to other people and they're they're happy with it and that they think other people will be happy with it then um, that's that's when the the change is going to happen. Yeah. Isn't isn't the answer to it? Um, is it Epic Games who do Fortnite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hold all the accounts and all the information attached to the Epic accounts. That like the Fortnite accounts done yeah. on the Fortnite servers, um, regardless of platform up that it's on. So basically, anything if. Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo have to sort of um, lease the game (laughs) or (laughs) there needs to be some sort of reversal where Epic are providing their game as a service to the three platform people and whenever there's a purchase made it filters up to the Epic account but but whatever platform it was on gets a cut of the purchase, isn't that? But the thing is that that's the point. People, as a player, you want your account to cover 
lots of different platforms. Yeah. And this was my point last time was that I think Epic could quite easily do a thing where people can link multiple accounts, but they're not, they don't share their purchases. And therefore you could have one Epic account that covers your Switch game and your PSN game. But they've put this little bit in place to highlight the fact that Sony aren't doing cross-play and to force them their hand a bit to go down right. the route. Yeah. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it's, it is better for developers. I think they're, they're looking at the long-term kind of health of the development commu- community as well because this can... I mean, the idea behind the whole games of a service thing is to, is to keep game, games going for longer. The more people you have in the community from all the platforms, the longer you can keep it going. Um, it, yeah. It's pretty simple, and if you if you have to keep on kind of dividing the community up into its little fractions, it, it's going to die out much faster. Um, and that is equally applicable to indie developers. Um, so you know, from their point of view, I can you know I can understand why they're forcing the issue. Um, it's you know Rocket League as well. That's you know I mean I don't know if you can call Rocket League indie anymore, but uh, you know it certainly started out that way. And they'll be able to keep that going much fa- much longer with with crossplay in 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 place. But I think that I mean, actually, Rocket League kind of highlights one of the problems with it as well is that um, the people are excited about Rocket Rocket League being crossplay, but nobody really thinks about the fact that that doesn't necessarily mean you can st- you can hook up with your friends on other platforms. There's there's extra stuff that has to be added on top of that. It took Rocket League two or three months after they launched crossplay for you actually be to be able to hook up with friends on top of that to have this kind of party system which was separate from PlayStation or well not PlayStation but Xbox Live and all the other kind of networks. Mm. And that, and that's an extra expense as well, which you know which we, they're having to cover. So yeah, there's there's lots of naughty little problems with the whole thing but from from a personal point of view i am just royally sick of double dipping because i've got friends on xbox and i've got friends on playstation got friends on switch and i think the fact that i'm now equally as active on all of those networks whereas i used to be kind of almost wholly playstation uh at the start of the ps4's life um yeah there's just absolutely no way that i can can afford to double dip like that anymore or triple dip it's ridiculous so yeah yeah uh, uh, we've probably covered there, there was something else i wanted to, to say about that but yeah i um i thought it was it's interesting that um so when microsoft were going through their really arrogant phase i felt like what they were doing was relying on the fact that they had this uh, the friends list as long as people wanted to stay with their friends, they would stay with Microsoft. And um, and it was this kind of the whole friends network and in live was their was their key to holding everything. They didn't have to do a damn thing else if if their friends were staying in the same platform. Um, and it's it's interesting now that Microsoft seemed to be opening that up. That's not what they're holding on to now because you know the the, the whole thing about allowing crossplay is that your friends could buy any platform and, and you know and you could play together and I just think it's very interesting that they are now recognising that, um, that that's not necessarily the way to go and they're kind of 
you know, allowing it to dissolve a little bit. I think that's kind of the way that the Microsoft are going anyway for in terms of Xbox as a platform and where they see themselves in five, ten years. Um, yeah. Where that's less important and it's more how many different physical platforms they can get the Xbox gaming platform onto. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, right, okay. So that's that. Um, the other thing that we had been talking about was uh, and you know more about this than I do, Dan, I suspect, um, is the PlayStation Now developments that happened after we Yeah, left. What, how much did we discuss this last time? It was just... Um, we had got to the point where there had been... Um, I had wrongly suggested this was a fake yeah. uh, screenshot of a download button. Yes. Um, so there have been a few more substantiated rumours yeah um, or substantiated rumours but a few more rumours that seem to confirm this is this is actually a thing and it will just be PS4 games initially right. I think that's quite um, interesting that it, it says this is just PS4 games to start with yeah the implication that PS3 games might be downloadable at some point in the future I suspect that'll come with PlayStation 5. That's what I think, yeah. Um, I think PS3 was such a an odd beast that emulating on the PS4 or even a Pro is not going to happen. Yeah. But PS5, yes, they'll be there. Yeah. And then what that does is um, it kind of gives a counterpoint to Game Pass. Yes. Uh, which is, is an interesting development. But I mean, there, there needs to be, still needs to be some significant improvements, I think, before it can compete. Although, you know, I'm still, aside from a few games, I'm not impressed uh, so much with the Game Pass offering. You know, the the first party games are, yeah. you know, a great deal. Um, but the, the rest of them, you know, we've probably already seen all, almost all of them on plus you know playstation plus monthly giveaways or yeah xbox live gold or yeah the killer part of game pass is microsoft's own stuff and yeah. it's interesting how that's panned out in that people were saying that's going to really impact sales but it seems to have from various reports have helped because they give a discount and if people will enjoy the game they end up buying it because yeah. they're not sure how long they're going to keep Game Pass on for. Or maybe they just activate Game Pass when a big release comes out, try the game, and then pick it up for a, a discount. It's quite interesting. Yeah. It, it would be interesting to see how well that works with Sony, who tend to have more first-party releases. Um, and the first-party releases they do have don't tend to be focused so much around games as a service as, as Microsoft ones and I think Microsoft's change to add all of its first party stuff to Game Pass is going to impact how those games are designed Yeah, there'll be a lot of little add-ons um, and other ways to monetize them yeah yeah exactly yeah. Um, kind of lost leader type stuff um, yeah, Ian have you, have you, you're, you're still on Game Pass aren't you? No, or have you stopped? 
I've never diddled with that. Oh, really? Did you just buy Sea of Thieves outright? Yeah. Oh, did you? <laughs> the usual. <laughs> you mug. I'm not keen on the idea of blockbuster video for my consoles because I'm a one who dabbles with the games. That's, the, that's how I got my Sega um, Dreamcast through Blockbuster. Oh, perfect idea! <laughs> what you only ever hired it? No, it was it was when they stopped sell it stopped using them. I bought it off them second hand. Ah, I get you. It was brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're dabbling with a game and then you stop and you go to another game and then ages later you want to go back to that game, you see, I always like if I'm. I, I like to have the things to go back to if I need to. You're a hoarder, is what yes, you are. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and don't take my things away. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of open to the idea. Because, um, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, it, my attention span is so low that um, I, I tend to you know, play things for a month and and move on, and much as I would love to go back to certain games, and there are a few I'd love to go back to, there's just always something shiny um, to, to focus on. So I never, ever do go back, so it kind of appeals to me. Dark Souls. Yeah, <laughs> that's ball. true. That is true, but that's a, I mean, that shows you how special that game is. It's just about the only thing that does that for me. But he did buy it again, remastered. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's the same game he's, uh, he's purchased several times. Yeah, and I will buy it on Switch as well. <laughs> that's a pan dip or whatever. It is, that's a yeah, dip on everything. Kind of Hexadeca global dip. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so yeah that, yeah, that was PS Now. So, what's next? Um, we're going to talk about where where is... Shoe, or shall we leave that? Um, Ian's been trying to work out. I've got a funny story for you about that. Have you? Well, I didn't know what the hell shoe was. I was like, shoe? What the hell is that? So I did some research, and there's a there's there's an indie platformer game called Shoe um, that I that I read up on, so that we could talk about it. I think I think is that not named after him in some way? It very possibly it, could be, yes. Yeah, I, I I'm sure there was something about that. I know there's a couple of indie games where which kind of feature him because he's that popular, um, which is very rare for a corporate platform overlord. Um, but yeah, we were talking about Shuhei Yoshida, who seems to have gone very very quiet since, uh, well, even before Kazurai kind of. Um, stepped down from his, you know, his role as captain of PlayStation. Um, yeah, it's just I thought. I mean, I did a bit of research, and he has done a couple of interviews. Yeah, I've noticed a couple pop up recently. Yeah, but they, I mean, one of them was just a tour of the E3 Sony booth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, the thing about Shuhei Yoshida is, I, I mean, I personally think he single-handedly saved PlayStation when they were going through their arrogant phase with PS3 I think that um, the things that he said and the humility he showed was just about 
the only reason that people kind of turned around and gave Sony a chance after the whole ridiculousness of the PS3 launch and people will get two jobs and £600 per console and all this kind of nonsense. Um, and it's just interesting that uh, he seems to be way, way back uh, in in the kind of background of all of this. And Sean Layden's right at the front and we have Sony as arrogant and being reported as not listening to their customers and being no longer for the players and all this kind of stuff and and where is Shu? Uh, it's it's really odd that he's been so quiet I was chatting with Ian about this just before we started that I think it's possibly linked to when Sean Layden took over from Jack Trenton so right. um and that switch seems to have had a little bit of a switch on the, at least how E3's presented. Um, yeah. And you don't really see Shuei in at E3 that much anymore. Um, no. And it's maybe the, the change in leadership, possibly the, the CAS as well. Um, and that's had an impact on how things are, are done a little bit. Yeah. It's an interesting cycle, you know. Now that we're ancient, all of us, we can kind of see the the cycle of arrogance that seems to kind of go between the two, you know, leading platforms. I guess is you know could be Nintendo's turn soon as well. Um, you know, one one platform it tends to be the losing platform tends to have to show some humility and end, ends up kind of. I don't know, uh, winning the next generation, it's, it's a very odd cycle they seem to go through, where they can't even see it coming, yet we can. Yeah. I just think it's very odd. Anyway, I hope Shu does appear at some point, but I suspect he won't. Oh yeah, and then there was Dave Jones on the Microsoft side. Uh, uh, just a little aside, but it seems like the uh, creator of the original Crackdown 3 and numerous other ridiculously uh, famous and high-selling games over the years, including Lemmings. Um, uh, he was kind of working on bringing Crackdown 3 to us all, and it turns out that um, he left uh, well before E3 as well, but they didn't let that one uh, out into the open until E3 had finished. Yeah, he did a little follow-up bit. Did he? Yeah. The, well, I mean, in terms of he's spoken about this. Um and said basically that it was always the plan that Sumo Digital would take the lead, and so as I don't believe as that things for a second. progressed, then yeah. it seemed like the the logical step. Um, to it, it does seem a bit odd to not see it through and and see the game released. But yeah, because he's he's now working for Epic's cloud division, isn't he? Yes. So. Um, that seems like uh, you know something. That seems like the kind of position that would be an an opportunistic thing to open up right now, you know, as technology is developed, rather than you know having planned to jump in there at, in five years' time or something. I, I don't know. It it just seems like a very odd thing to say. Yeah, odd. But yeah, I just looked at that and thought, oh Christ, Crackdown is gonna be awful. And that's pretty much, you know, alongside Dark Souls that's one of my favourite games 
I've ever played. So, you know, I just look on in horror every time I see a new development there. <sighs> anyway, uh, let's move on from all the ridiculous corporate uh, shenanigans and, um, yeah, talk about something else. So, Dan, where do you want to start? Or Ian? Let's have Ian pick something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I uh, I thought I'd just pose the question to use about um, <laughs> what you thought about the fragmented versions of the same game, you know, where you've got Game of the Year editions coming out, but you've also got editions to games that are platform specific, so you've got like this Dragon Quest 11 or something that's coming out there's a specific chunk that's only ever going to be in the Switch version and oh really things like that it i don't quite understand i mean i i totally get it they're trying to get people who are interested in this game to buy it on the Switch rather than other platforms i get what they're yeah. trying to do with it but is it that big a deal and are you not just pissing off people who've paid full price for the game um, who don't get the same stuff, you know, who don't get the same amount of content from the baseline? So, yeah. What was, do you was reckon? It Destiny that started this. Destiny has always had some stuff that has been um, either come to PlayStation first or been exclusive to PlayStation. Yeah, I mean the stuff that came to, to PlayStation first and then went to Xbox, it took a long time yeah. for it to get to Xbox, to the point where you know there was literally no point because people had moved on at that point. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I am, I have to say, I'm not a fan. Um, I can kind of understand Game of the Year editions and things like that because um, I'm not kind of anti DLC in it in that kind of no. way. Um, it's just you'll have totally you've you've got a game a base game and then you've got parts of the game that you can buy f for extra money and then you've yeah. got an extra part that you can only get by buying a totally different platform for 300 quid <laughs> it seems like oh, don't do that to your yeah. probably limited base especially the types of games I play <laughs> So, yeah. you know, it seems a bit weird to be doing that sort of thing. Dragon Quest especially, because it's... I mean, it has a, a very um, solid hardcore following, but I wouldn't say it's massive in the West. So why would you do that when yeah. you're trying to get established, you know, you know, a bit like Monster Hunter and, and the rest of them? You're kind of in the, in the West. Why yeah. would you fragment yourself like that no it, it doesn't make sense to me at all uh yeah it's rather yeah. frustrating I, the thing is though it's weird because the switch version it, it the thing about the switch is it kind of sells itself in terms of if you want to get the switch version i get the switch version of something because i want to play it on the sofa i get i got the switch version of doom because christ i wanted to see doom running on a handheld it's it's miraculous <laughs> You know, there's, there's, there isn't really any reason to try and tempt people to buy it on the Switch. 
it, the only time I've will. ever had my Switch out of its dock was the day I bought it. <laughs> Dude, you're missing out. You're still missing out. I can't be naffing about, man. What, I need it on a big about? screen. You, 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 well, either get some bloody glasses or, I don't know, hold it closer to your nose. It's fine. Oh, it's the cramped and the... It's the pins oh, you can and get, needles. It's the <laughs> uh, you can get these um, third-party kind of extensions, or it's like an extra kind of surround that you can yeah. clip the switch into. We did all that with the Vita, like that. though, and then I had to buy a, a fucking Play TV or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you and yeah. the other person, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For me, the whole thing with the Switch is, um, is, is, you know, I can be... It's exactly what they marketed. It's exactly what they sold, is this whole thing. You can be playing it on your TV. Somebody comes in, you know, if my partner Rachel comes in from, from work or whatever and she wants to watch telly and I want to continue playing, there's, there's no problem. I just pick the thing out of the dock and continue playing instantly. And and that's, I think that's the joy of it. I think that's, that's, you know, I can just still be sitting, you know, played a lot of paladins with our mate Stu over the last couple of weeks, and most of that's been handheld, and um, it's been brilliant, and it's not interfered with anybody else's, you know, leisure time, time on the telly, Rachel's time on Dark Souls, <laughs> anything like that. So it's, yeah, it, I, that's for me is is the kind of key selling point for it. I think it's. You just wanted to play Xenoblade. That's why you bought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I haven't even put Breath of the Wild in. I can't. I haven't. Just haven't done it. I don't want to do it until I've <laughs> rinsed Xenoblade. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, it's good as long as you're getting some time out of it. That's uh, yeah, it's all good. I like yeah. I like having the uh, breadth of consoles because then. I've got an even wider um, selection of games to spend all my money on. So yeah, it gives you more variety, and you can pick up the obscure stuff that never comes to the other platforms. So I yeah, guess that's, that's the that's luxury my... of being an old man <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and with a salary. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I'm the same. Although I mean, part of it is just that. I love my new gadgets. I love to- <laughs> love my toys. I mean, I have uh, Gizmondo. <laughs> wow. It's still in its box. I used it for two hours. That was a painful console. It had it had a really good version of Richard Burns Rally on it, which blew me away. But it was bloody painful to use. It was horrendous. So I went back in its box and. Uh, I'm not going to get rid of it until it's worth more than I paid for it. Which and it's worth about what I paid for it at the moment. So um it's 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 sitting it nice and clean in its box, barely used with with a couple of games. Yeah, there was a thread on uh one of the popular gaming forums that was I just noticed it the other day and you've said you had one that was let's talk about the worst gaming console ever, the Gizmondo. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, even I didn't consider buying one of those. No, I couldn't resist it. It was all shiny, and it had Richard Burns Rally, and I wanted Richard Burns Rally handheld. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I did it. Uh, it was probably the worst console purchase of of my life, but um, 
yeah, it 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 lives there as a as a lesson. Not a particularly well learned one, but it's a lesson nonetheless. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So uh, next, what do we want to talk about? How far are we? Because we might as well cover this because we've been kind of hinting at it. Um, so I spotted an article uh, so a, a week or so ago. Uh, it's basically PlayStation Hits, which is the PlayStation 4's new uh, budget game range. There's 16 games been announced for this range. And uh, you got to know that as soon as you see a PlayStation Hits range or an Xbox Classics or... Um, I don't know, whatever Nintendo do with their one, I can't remember what it is, but you've got to know that the new generation is imminent uh, in my in my view, that's not something you see early on um, so it made me start thinking about how far we are away from the next gen and, uh, and what it's going to be um so it's just wondering, you know, what, what our thoughts are about that. Personally, I think we're going to be looking at something. There's been some uh, interesting kind of rumours circulating about our response to the Switch from Sony. Um, so uh, things like uh, a disc- at, le- at the very least a detachable screen, some kind of dumb terminal. Um, I think uh, what we might be looking at is something that is quite high resolution, something that you possibly could slip into a VR headset as well as use like a switch on the sofa Oh, that's interesting Yeah, um, I think that we're looking at something that's multifunction like that. I mean, when the switch first the form factor of the switch was first announced by, by Nintendo people started thinking about how that would easily work with VR and the only thing that stops it from working well with VR is the power Um but if you've got, I mean, we already have wireless VR technology. Um, the Vive uses it, uh, so I can't see how Sony won't be looking at that, building it into something like that. I can't see them ditching, you know, the big screen, the the, the you know the large screen in your house. Yeah. But um, they do. I think they do need to respond to the whole uh, Nintendo Switch situation. Um, so I, I think that's interesting. I think um, it also kind of opens things up for cloud gaming as well. Uh, uh, so, so there's there's some kind of interesting suggestions around that. You've also got, I mean, Microsoft. What have they said? Microsoft have said that that they've got it's it's about the Xbox devices or the the yeah. next Xbox devices. They've been very obviously been talking about more than one device that's coming and what yeah. what that actually means is it's up for discussion but there is definitely yeah. something going on there was i think phil spencer said that they weren't stepping away from and you know a big box underneath your tv yep. for this next gen i think no um uh but yeah he did say that there was there were other, um or it, it did seem like there were other things in development as well uh, cloud gaming being one of them interestingly they seem to have backed away a little bit from vr for now yes um uh, which was interesting but there is there is another player outside of nintendo who are always going to kind of forge their own path and 
um, you know, they're always kind of, I think they call it blue ocean thinking, where they're they're trying to get into the blue ocean where no one else is swimming, um, is uh, their kind of philosophy. Uh, But there was one interesting rumour that started circulating this week, I think, which was about Google. Yeah. Uh, And uh, now there's always been stuff circulating about Google and it never seems to materialise, but this seems to have quite a bit of weight behind it. Uh, I think there was a kind of, they're looking at a three-pronged attack was was what I read. So you've got um, some kind of box underneath the TV, you've got a cloud strategy, and I can't remember what the third one was. Was it just buying lots of developers? Yes. Yeah, that I was, think that's... yeah. I was wondering what your three-pronged attack was, because I could think of yeah. two prongs, but not the third. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I saw it reported. I'm sure there was kind of, um, yeah, def- definitely three prongs. So um, we could see some aggressive acquisitions of developers soon. Um, and if anybody out there can make the whole cloud gaming work, it's going to be Google. And if they do make it work properly and they do have, you know, some very high profile developers making games for them, uh, then we're looking at games becoming as ubiquitous as television, which is an interesting prospect. So cloud gaming is streaming high spec games down to like a terminal where you play them. Yeah. 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 Um, and the thing about that is that right now, I mean, it's just about viable on a very, very good connection. Um, but the next mobile technology is 5G, and that's exponentially faster than uh, anything we've got right now, including your kind of fiber optic broadband. Uh, and at the point where 5G becomes ubiquitous, you've got the possibility of streaming even high quality VR and it not really looking like it's, you know, being streamed. You're looking at something that's happening so fast with so little lag that yeah, it's, it, you know, it's as if you're playing it on a console right next to you. So it, that would change everything and that's not very far now. You know, it's, I wouldn't say it's the next gen, um, but you know, I can think part way through the lifespan of PS5. I think we'll probably be getting close to 5G, uh, and at that point, everything is up for grabs. Uh, your fella, the the head of Ubisoft, has been saying as much, hasn't he? He's been saying that there's uh, he reckons we've got one more generation, and then everything's going to cloud. Yeah, um, I think he's probably a little bit off. I think Virgin Media will have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> they give me a load of grief <laughs> when I was trying to up upgrade my thing. They say, oh, you're a very heavy internet user, aren't you? And I'm not really. It's, I mean, my console's downloading 50 fucking gig games, you know what I'm saying? That's what's going on. <laughs> I'm streaming Netflix. Well, I'm not a heavy internet user. I'm a gamer, professional gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we need to do this streaming games? I don't see the need for it. Is it so that people can play fucking Dark Souls at work in the browser or something? Well, it, 
about. That that was one interesting point I read. Was somebody was quoted as saying, "Imagine playing The Witcher Three on a tab in your browser." That's what we're aiming for. I, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you? Yeah. Would you really? I mean, if there was no lag, and if there was, you know, literally no difference between it. I had, I'm meant to be doing work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, but at home, if it meant you didn't have to spend, listen, you mean look at the whole problem we have with cross-platform right now. If you didn't have to spend hundreds of pounds on, you know, thousands of pounds in total on, right. you know, three consoles and a PC to play your play any of the games you like, would that not be better? I mean, I there's some Are you part saying of it, they're all going to collaborate and cross-stream. <laughs> I don't without know. I mean, without like... wanting to hog the Fortnite leopard skin t-shirt. <laughs> well, it, I mean, look at Cap. Is it Capcom just now are offering in Japan at the moment, where you know internet speeds are ridiculous. Um, they're offering a streaming Resident Evil something. Was it hmm. which one is it? Is it Resi Resi Seven? They're uh, uh, they're making available as a streaming option on switch right um and it couldn't it couldn't possibly run it normally but it's it's there um as a streaming option and i uh, and they're testing the water with that and i think what you'll end up doing is having the publishers being their own platform that's what will happen so you go to you know capcom or um ubisoft's website and you Mm. play far cry 8 or Resident Evil 11, you know, and right. you wouldn't really notice the difference. Like, you know, can if go and play Curious Expedition on their website. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it could easily be going that way. Um, and it could be that, you know, Google are looking at some kind of terminal, but it could also be that they're looking at some kind of actual console, a bit like the PlayStation Now option seems to be heading towards where you know you can stream if you want wherever you are but if you want to play it in the highest possible fidelity with the least amount of lag and input lag um, then you download it to the console and you play it from there so yeah things are very very up in the air with the next gen it's getting very interesting going back to Microsoft and their devices Uh the theories I have are either a regular box that sits under the TV and some sort of streaming device, possibly mm-hmm. containing a screen. Right. Um, and the other thing that I think they could be going for is a standard Xbox Next, whatever they they messed with the numbering system. Nobody knows where they're going with it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and at the same time, releasing an X version that costs more but Mm -hmm. has higher quality better components and that means that whatever sony do they still maintain the we've got the most powerful console on the market idea yeah yeah Uh, the thing about microsoft is they've got so many devices uh in development They, they i mean they've got their laptop um, devices have, you know, have, have, have become really quite good. I've got a Surface Pro Four, which is now about two, three years old, and is still really good. Um, they're also rumored to be working on a two-screen phone, yep. 
which looks brilliant. Um, there's a you know a few other things that they seem to be developing, and I don't believe for a minute that they've stopped development on VR. I just think they're stepping back. I mean, they're certainly still working on Hololens and the augmented reality stuff. Um, it it could be that you know that's how they start selling their surfaces, their phones, all that kind of stuff. Is that that's where their streaming service is. You know, it's uh, you know built in Xbox and every Microsoft product. That's quite an interesting proposal. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think you know. How far do you think we're away? Twenty twenty. I think we'll yeah. hear a lot more next year, but actual devices will start appearing in twenty twenty, and that is longer than I thought it would be. I thought that the Pro would indicate the middle of the current gen, which yeah. would mean 2019 would be where we would actually get PS5. But I yeah. think that the sort of hardware and where in particular some people like AMD are in development terms, that suits 2020 a lot more that you'll yep. be able to get a much better machine by waiting for the extra year rather than trying to to do whatever the best they can in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say I'm quite glad. I, it's funny because by this point of the PS3's lifespan, I think we were all gagging for a new gen. Yep. It just wasn't powerful enough. I'm not seeing that with the PS4 um, and the Xbox at all. I mean, maybe more so with the Xbox. It, the original Xbox is starting to to struggle a little with some of the more uh, the modern, uh, the more new games. Like uh, myself and Stu played Vermintide Two the other night, and I was on the X One X, and it was beautiful. But he was on the original Xbox, and he said it was it was problematic, and they needed to optimize it. Um, so I, but I I don't feel the need yet for the jump up. You know, what I would love to see actually is a jump sideways. I'd love to see them do a, a Nintendo, um, you know, almost, you know, copy Nintendo, it, you know, and, and what they've done in terms of that kind of handheld, but also a normal console approach. Um, I think that's kind of part of what they've got to be looking at. And that's where I'd like to see them go, really. I think from what, I, what Phil Spencer said, they're definitely looking at improvements being largely CPU um, yeah. and frame rate so they're kind of still going the power route uh, but, really? but CPU is something that the current set of consoles haven't really had Yeah, the, um, I, I don't know um, in, I mean in a way maybe it's a good thing maybe uh, you know what I'm looking for is uh, the point where Digital Foundry have absolutely fucking nothing to say. I cannot wait. I would argue possibly we've already reached that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think it, it's interesting that I, I kind of have a a, a dual um, opinion on, on Digital Foundry. I think that they do sometimes point out things that do need to be fixed yep. um, for the consumer. But for the most part, I think they focus on... It's like, you know, I'm a photographer and um, the th first thing an amateur photographer will 
you would be warned about if they're being taught anything by an, an actual photographer is not to pixel peep. It's not to, you know, go in really close and look at every individual pixel because that way lies madness. Yep. And that is basically the gaming community right now. It's, it's all kind of, you know, pixels and frame rate. And it's, it misses the point. I've said it before, Digital Foundry has a bloody doctorate in missing the point as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, if we can get to that stage where there is nothing to say, uh, and what they do have to say is increasingly relevant, then fine. You know, it was worth going the power route, I suppose. But yeah, I'm done with it. Um, anyway, let's move on. Ian. Yeah. Talking about what we've been playing, uh, and you've got down Conan Exiles. Yeah. It's a brutal, muscle-bound survival game set in the Conan yeah. universe, um, and it's filled with like desert and jungle creatures and exiles and shamans and stuff. Um, and the tutorial gets you up and running real easy. I thought that was one of the best survival tutorials I've ever been through, um, and it sort of leads you up to a water source so that you can begin to exist and survive around that area um i mean you'll still die a lot <laughs> from from fighting and stuff um but it, it it is one of the better tutorials um the standout bit for me with the game seems to be the handcrafted world that um has landmarks and environments you sort of explore and learn but you can you become like intimately familiar with so you you know all the paths around places and then once you get better and better and you move up in the tiers you go and explore different areas and then you have to learn the area first and then you can um, optimize you know your resource gathering and find little hot spots and then find the caves and dungeons and then tool yourself up to plunder them um, right the combat's fairly reactive and it's limited by stamina, so you've got that. That's like Dark Souls stuff, isn't it? Yeah, well, I noticed that um, the video you posted up the other day. Yeah. Uh, I looked at I was watching the combat in that, and I thought, I, I had a little bit of a twinge there. I thought, I, I might have to buy this, right. even though I'm not sure I'll like any of it, yeah. because the, the combat looked very dark souls to me and it was you know there was including the whole kind of rolling mechanic and all that yep. kind of stuff yep. seemed to be very very souls like uh and it made me think twice about it right. i was thinking oh actually this could be fun yeah it's quite i mean it's um quite tactile you know it's not it's not like an it's not like an mmo you press a skill button and point at the target and hope for the best you your your hits do need to be in a given direction and you know with a certain force heavy and light strikes and you can even get combination chains going where you 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 do different animations play out you know in a chain of them um the yeah. the two-handed sword is really impressive once you get down to the about the third heavy hit <laughs> you're like flying <laughs> in the air and slamming it down it's it's quite good that way. Um, I've been playing with as on a on a co-op 
server with um, Chris hosting it and me and our kid join as extra survivors so right so there's been three of us um, and it sort of shares the work of the resource collecting and things like that but after about three nights and uh, with just the three of us we've set up a camp on like a defended ancient aqueduct um, forming like a castle like fortress where we all our crafting stations are and we've got at one end it's um, the aqueduct uh, has like stairs at the other end um, so that's how you get up and down to it but uh, at, at the far end it's got this high dive that where you you just drop into a, a long way down into an emerald river and, right. and as you splash into it there's loads of skulls and bones of other people who've fallen off and died. Oh fantastic. Um, and then uh, Chris managed to craft a, an actual like winched lift so by the side of that high dive, which is how we get to the ground fast, you can come back and get on the lift and winch, and it winches you up to the top again. <laughs> so nice. we got all that going in about three nights, you know, and we've um, we're all kitted in like medium leather with iron weapons, and we've just started coshing local exiles and lashing them to the wheel of pain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which, uh, they, basically, you've got to <laughs> knock them out, drag them back to your base, lash them to this wheel of pain, and then feed them enough so that they... I think it's an hour real time. And then you, like, break their spirit, and then they become willing slaves. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then you, they, if they were a fighter and you caught them, then they'll defend your base when you're not around. Um, but you can get, you know, like uh, blacksmiths and people who'll go into your actual crafting stations and help you craft stuff. So, right. So you've got a town full of torture victims. Yeah. Well, we only had one fighter thrall at the wheel, on the wheel of pain when we finished our last session. <laughs> but um, but we are going to get some more because that seems to be the way forward to make you know efficient use of everything. Um, so we've got like this primitive society emerging around this ancient aqueduct. And is that a private server, just you and Chris? Yeah, and yeah. Um, that's important actually, because if you if you go on to a public server when you're away, people can come and screw you over and nick all yeah. your stuff and that type of stuff. Whereas on this private server, it's got a password. There's just us three on it, and it's actually hosted on Chris's. PS4, so if he logs out, the server goes down. <laughs> um, right. But it, there is there's a thing, uh, it's called purges, where the AI sends a load of um, bastards into your base. Um, but, <laughs> it, but it happens on a regular basis, but it, it, there's like a timer thing, and I think it only ticks over when you're online. I don't fully understand the mechanics of it because we've never seen a purge happen. But we've right. got sort of sandstone walls to keep things out. Um, and now we've got a, uh, a thrall who's a fighter. So if if and when the purge hits our our base, I think they'll have a rough time doing any damage to our stuff, to be honest. And so, if you have any trouble, then that poor bastard thrall is going back on the wheel of pain, I expect. Hell yeah. We go and get the other one. <laughs> there was actually, 
there was actually we went out on this mission to get these thralls, and there was two um, two fighter thralls. One was a level three, and one was a level one. Um, and we started battling them, and this level three ran up to our Graham, hit him once, and Graham dropped dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Chris ran round the back of the level three and did his his dagger work because he's into the twin daggers, um, right. and he actually he actually does like bleed damage on him. So he laid a load of bleeds on him and then kited him around a bit. Um, and then we were going to bonk him over the head with a cudgel and then take him back. Because a level 3 fighter is the the best fighter you can get in the thralls. Um, but the thing is, Chris had bled him so well that he actually dropped dead <laughs> before we managed to cudgel him. <laughs> so we ended up just taking the level 1 fighter. Um, Deary me. But yeah, so it's... It's a good. Uh, it is very enjoyable, and it, it sort of bridges the gap between an MMO feel to it, because it's got dungeons and recognisable areas and stuff, uh, and yeah. the pure survival thing. I think the, the private server thing makes it a bit more attractive to me. I've, I, you know, I've mentioned how much I hate Ark uh, before. But yeah, it yeah. Kind of that whole, you know, dragging your body out to the sea while you're not logged in thing. Uh, yeah, off that that whole thing forever um but yeah that does sound like a, a, a much better compromise um right let's move on uh quickly uh dan we both had a go at the crew 2 beta yes so what were your thoughts um i had a little few little problems network wise which right they're just the kind of niggly and it is a beta but it was a beta just before it releases so they were full-on crashes back to the starting menu. Oh, really? Restart. Um, and it would kind of continue from roughly where you left off, but it was quite annoying. Yeah. Um, I did get a bit of playing, though, and I quite like the planes and the boats. Yeah, I, I mean, I got, um, for those who don't know who, you know, hopefully are listening, myself and Dan um had a long-running rivalry on the... Uh, was it Just Cause 2? Yes. Just Cause 2, um, which allowed for YouTube uploads and all that kind of stuff, and, and the whole kind of thing with plane races and stunts and all of that kind of stuff you could do there. And I got the same vibe off of that, and I enjoyed it for that. Yeah. Because um, I could see the potential there for, for some fun with multiplayer. But um, multiplayer's not there at lunch. <laughs> I think there is co-op I think but um, you know just kind of uh, the whole uh, MMO thing of being able to join races with randoms and stuff like that uh, that's missing which is interesting um, and also the from what I've seen I've watched a, a video by ACG who uh, yeah, Angry Centaur Gaming I think it's called um, who kind of seems to mesh with my own thinking on a lot of games uh, he's, he seemed to think that the microtransaction part of it is pretty egregious It's uh, it takes an awful long time to earn enough bucks, which is something you didn't see in the beta really uh, to get um, the cars you want uh, and you could just buy them outright if you wanted with real money which for a 60 quid game is taking the piss um so that was uh and because because i was pretty sold on it i have to say uh after the beat i really enjoyed it but 
I think I'll wait now and see because it's frustrating because they they improved the original crew to the point where it was you know light years ahead of the how it was when they launched and they seem to have done something just as stupid with the launch of the crew too it's quite frustrating so I'll see were you going to say something there Dan um yeah I, I kind of noticed it playing the beta that there was a couple of different currencies there when you were yeah. looking to buy a game and that did send off little alarm bells for me yeah so perhaps that was how they were structuring it particularly as they've not gone for any sort of uh proper dlc or season pass there is a season pass there but it's a little bit odd for a season pass you kind right. of get get the cars or the availability of the cars early but oh yeah i noticed that it's like seven days early yeah a lot of the content is just meant to be free and how they expand it but i'm guessing they're making the money on the uh microtransactions instead yeah it seems like that i think i i mean i like the fact that the whole season pass idea seems to be mellowing or dropping entirely um from a lot of games but i think some of the the um you know, people like Ubisoft and and EA, they need to think about how they implement their alternatives. Because uh, yeah, the the whole the whole thing of you know just making it so that it's so tedious trying to get a new car that you'll spend more money on it isn't good gameplay. That's yeah, it's not what we want as customers. I would suggest. No. Um. Yeah. So it's a shame. So the crew two to be avoided despite the fact that the beta was reasonably fun as far as I was uh, concerned. Um, an interesting thing uh, I read over the week uh, is about a game called The Persistence, which is a PSVR roguelike, um, which looks really interesting. It's actually by some ex-Wipeout developers, uh, and uh, it looks like one of the uh, you know the best games to come out for the uh, the platform, I think, it, in its entirety, it releases in July the twenty fourth, I think, and uh, it basically is it's one of these uh, um, sci fi kind of games where you're on a space station and things have gone wrong, or a spaceship, or something like that. Things have gone wrong, and uh, every time you die, you respawn as someone else, and things have shifted, and and on you go. Um, and it, it just looks really interesting. The, the thing that kind of piqued my interest this week was um, there's an article by uh, from a very surprising source, actually. It was on Eurogamer, which has been absolutely abysmal at their VR uh, coverage. They all seem to be very VR sceptic. But the biggest VR sceptic of a lot is this. Uh, is there, he's a really good journalist, but he's also, I, I kind of think of him as their, regi- their resident employed troll as well as Wesley Ian Poole. Um, and uh, he's got a reasonably upbeat uh, write-up on the whole thing uh, from the point of view of someone for whom VR makes them quite sick. Um, and they've done an awful lot of clever stuff uh, to kind of get around that. Things that uh, you might think are wrong-headed along the lines of um, allowing for uh, allowing you to kind of spin round instantaneously 180 degrees rather than in small increments or slowly. Apparently, they've discovered that that actually can help with VR sickness, which is quite a surprise. Um, but it seems like they're they're going 
quite some way to making VR comfortable for people who are very prone to getting motion sick with it, which is really good news because what it means is that other developers can learn from it and and then maybe it can grow a little bit more. But it just looks really good uh, and I, I'm going to kind of spend a lot of time in that alongside the Tetris effect, which I don't think we've mentioned at all over the last wee while. I think we mentioned it a bit on one of the E3 ones, but there's, Did we? there's more yeah. footage being released now and uh, impressions from people who've played it and it yeah. does look very, very good. Oh God, yeah, it looks really lovely. Um, so yeah, I think things are starting to look up a little bit for VR. It had been on a plateau for for too long in my view, but um, yeah, it's good. Um, right, okay. So I think we had a few things to uh, to discuss there, but uh, we are getting very close to the one hour ten minute mark. So maybe we'll carry the other topics over to the next one. Yes, that's good to me. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, so with that said, um, we're going to try and get this out in the next couple of days. We're recording on the 1st of July, as I said earlier. Um, you can get us on Twitter at Claude of War. Um, and if you listen to this on Anchor, on the Anchor app, you can send us lovely rounds of applause. We would love to hear from you on uh, the voice messaging function they've got there as well. And, uh, you know, if you're nice, then we might include you on our next podcast um, apart from that I think that's it so thanks for listening to our nonsense goodbye Bye. cheers for dear Many thanks to Eric Matthias of soundimage.org who provides the music royalty-free for the Clod of War podcast.